Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,457. Today we're going to get creative, so be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in beautiful Tucson, Arizona, out in the desert, or it's a little chilly this time of year, with a very special guest by the name of Anita Lewis. Anita, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely, and thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. With paintbrushes in hand, I love artists because I grew up in an artistic household, especially automotive artists, and especially unique people like you and this niche you've gotten into. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to ask you this. What's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Anita Lewis? Well, amongst a lot of other things, I pride myself in having an Italian garden. An Italian garden. Okay. An Italian garden. Now, what is that? That is just a regular garden where you grow tomatoes, eggplant, oregano, parsley, onions, cantaloupe, basil, and all the ingredients for good Italian cuisine. And by the way, I make a mean lasagna and I learned to do it from someone in Northern Italy. Well, I'm going to hang around for dinner tonight. So uh, (laughs) just tell me what kind of wine to bring and uh, a little Chianti or yeah, red, of course. (laughs) Wow, that's very cool. Well, be, living in the desert, you've got some unique challenges with the heat, of course, but does that does yeah. that actually make it easier for the kind of things you're growing? Well, I've had to learn that t- the tomatoes have their own season here. You can't grow them in the summer because it's too hot. Right. All the blossoms will dry up and fall off. So they kind of have two seasons, and one is like springtime and one is fall. Nice. So I still have tomatoes out there right now, but I'm sure since last night they probably froze, so oh well. Yeah, my daughter lives just north of you in Phoenix with our grandkids and her husband. And yeah, it's been uh, in the mornings. She's saying, man, it's as cold here as it is at your house. And I'm in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, we don't get really snow. Once in a while, it'll snow, but not like the East Coast. But uh, it's a little chilly. I think it was 30, uh, 36 this morning when I got up. So, uh, yeah, but you guys have you guys have been getting down about that low, too. Uh, we had, I think, 29 last night. Yeah, yeah, well. Mm-hmm. The desert can do that. It can be a little, yep. uh, yeah, you, you look and go, oh, blue skies. You walk out and go, need a jacket. So yep. <laughs> very cool. I love it. Well, let me introduce you a little more properly here. And we're going to learn a lot about how you got into what you do. Anita Lewis is a fine artist whose art portrays the speed and motion of race cars on the track. She received her education in the arts, studying abstract art, rendering illustrations, drafting and interior design. And in the early 80s, she decided to migrate to Germany integrating into the European lifestyle, and began rendering BMW car parts and painting race cars for her friends. She also learned a little bit about Italian cooking. <laughs> she was also a narrow selection of artists rendered for Porsche in Zuffenhausen. I love that because I'm a big Porsche guy. I've been to that track too. Neat place. Upon her return to the USA, she continued painting race cars with a focus on Le Mans and Formula One with an emphasis on depicting speed and she does that very well anita has painted at the u.s grand prix in austin where she met and sold her paintings to celebrities in the racing world 
Uh, she got to meet Zach Brown, who's a fellow alumni now. He's been a guest on the show from McLaren fame. Today, you'll find her painting at a wide variety of automotive events, including Barrett-Jackson, which is coming up real quick here in Phoenix, Velocity International, and at the Signature Galleries in Las Vegas. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So uh, we'll have a little sip of Chianti red wine. It's a little early, but that's okay. Don't tell anybody, Anita. And we'll be right back. <laughs> Are you ready to take charge of your financial future? then let me introduce you to Capitalize Your Finances. It's an online course designed to empower you with the knowledge and tools for mastering your money. This course will help you lay out the ins and outs of budgeting, the importance of emergency funds, investing strategies, and how to plan for a secure retirement. All this presented by financial planner Chris Paniotu. Chris has developed this course to help you effectively navigate your world of finance, with confidence. Stop stressing about money and start taking control. Enroll in Capitalize Your Finance online course today and pave your way to financial success. To learn more, go to capitalizepodcast.com slash courses, or better yet, go to the Cars yeah website show notes page for today's show and click on the link under Capitalize Your Finances. You'll be glad you did. Do it today. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. All right, Anita, so I want to learn a little bit more about your background and how you got into this. And then it sounds like you began to niche down, niche down, niche down and get into this world of abstract motorsport art. And I believe that's the name of your business. Do I have that right? Yes, that's correct. Abstract motorsport art. That's kind of a weird name uh, having to do with motorsport art. You know, usually you find artists uh, doubling down on the details and every little nut and bolt and so on and so forth. But since I am also uh, from the school of abstract art, I've tried to bring in that abstract kind of way into the painting of the cars because I found, I made a discovery that when I do that, it actually shows more the speed and kind of like the emotive moment of the race, since it's more about emotion and less about, you know, depicting the exact pictorial uh, uh, car shapes and and everything, although I could do that. And I did start out that way, but uh, I found myself saying, I've got to find my own niche and portray it a little different 
Would you say, you know, knowing the art world, and I grew up in a family where my father took us to many, many museums growing up in the San Diego County area, and then we'd go up to LA to some of the big museums and see some very famous artwork that I was interested to learn that many abstract artists from the past began as uh, fine painters of exact imagery, I guess you would call, you know, ducks flying through the air or whatever it might be, a building, and then evolved into their abstract style set. Was that your experience? Because when I look at your history, yeah, more traditional learning and actual creating of things that be on nut and bolt, as you say. How did that process happen for you? That was kind of interesting. I actually started when I was 11 to delve into the oil painting. And of course, I would paint very pictorial things. But then when I went on to study art, there was a professor that um, would uh, have us imitate two styles we could choose. One was a very photographic style and the other was total abstractness. And so uh, we had to create a painting imitating each of these styles. So uh, what I found was I really liked doing the pictorial, but then I thought to myself, you know, a camera is good too, but how can I integrate that with the abstract, which I'm acting actually becoming more and more drawn to and in, in love with because it just allows for so much uh, expression. Uh, there's another caveat to this whole thing. Uh, I actually went on to study interior design, but that could be for another question. <laughs> okay. You know, well, that's interesting because I always say design is design is design. Although interior design obviously is more exacting. I mean, hard to have an abstract table, although I think I've seen some. Uh, you know, the way architecture and art and interior design combined. But but back to your art. So as you evolved into this, this niche of automotive, where did the passion for cars come from? Well, my first race that I went to was back when I was a teenager. And I'm probably dating myself here, but... Uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, it was uh, in Long Beach, and it was the actual Formula One Grand Prix. Oh, Long Beach Grand Prix. Yeah, I went to the first one. I think it was 70... When was that? Late 70s? 78, 79 or something like that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was it. That was it. And of course, you know, Mario Andretti won, and Nicky Lauda was racing, oh, yeah. and you know, all the greats, you know, were there. And then afterwards, in the big, the big hangar, you'd have all the drivers with the cars, they'd be standing next to their cars and just talking to people. And you could just almost stand, you know, shoulder to shoulder to Ricardo Patrese or whoever was there. And that is just so different today. You oh, know? yeah. So you got to be, you're so far away from everybody. Everybody's restricted. And those were special times. I was lucky at that race because a, a girlfriend of mine, her father was, uh, had some kind of business that was tied to that race. So we had access to virtually everything, although most people did in many ways, but we got to get back into all of it. And yeah, I was in heaven um, being a photographer and uh, a kid in college and, you know, just like, oh, this is so much fun. Yeah, the, the stars, really. So as we go on to talk a little bit about influences, I always like to ask people about what I call are their driving inspirations. Do you have some artists that have inspired you over time that have a, a bit of an influence on how you create your artwork? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Good answer. Okay, that's direct. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I can elaborate. There you go. <laughs> However, through my abstract art, my 
biggest inspiration has been Richard Diebenkorn and Gerhard Richter. And in fact, just the other day, I met one of the students that studied together with Gerhard Richter, and he happens to live in LA, and his name is Harry Moody. And he's written a book, and that's absolutely wonderful. But what I'm wanting to say here is that this style incorporated into the pictorial style of the cars is my absolute niche, and I wanted to create something very, very unique, which I think I've done. Yeah, well, this is very interesting because, again, because my father would take us to art, and he liked modern art, more modern art, I guess you could say, um, abstract art. When you think about, although Richter was, uh, let's see, is, is he still with us or has he passed? No, he's still around. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to say he's much later, but in thinking of the of that artwork and the big swashes of colors and things like that, okay, I can see some a little bit of tie in there to what you like to do, and you obviously love to depict motion and movement. So when when somebody, I guess the the question I would have for you is somebody that maybe doesn't understand what you and I understand because we've been around it modern abstract art how would you describe the paintings you do of cars because your paintings look like cars to me you haven't gone complete abstract where somebody would say i don't see a car in there well it's in there don't worry Uh, how would you say that your art and the use of abstract um helps the viewer know what you're doing when somebody that says well that looks like a car but i'm not quite so sure how do you explain it to people Well, uh, there's not much explaining going on. Uh, They do see the car. They do see that it's a Ferrari, and they do see that it's the number 16. And, uh, you know, they know who the driver is and all of that. But it all goes back to when you are trackside, and these cars whiz by. And it's so exhilarating that I thought, I have to bring this to canvas. How do I do this? So this is uh, the the charge behind showing the speed, uh, the moment of the race and so on into my art because, and I've, I'm finding that I have more and more uh, admirers, followers, uh, collectors that, that really love the style because it is different and it's a departure from, from the pictorial or the just pictorial. I remember my father asked me once we were at an exhibit and he said, how does that make you feel emotionally? And that became his new question quite often for us when we would go to different art exhibits. And it became kind of fun, especially as we were kids. You know, well, it makes me happy or it makes me sad or excited or tingly. I remember my sister when that one makes me all tingly, you know, it's like <laughs> so exciting. I wish I remember the, the painting that that was, but I think that's really fun. It really, your art is what I see and it is, it's emotion. How do you, for, for people that aren't artists, how do you sit trackside and look at art? And do you, do you paint trackside or do you take pictures or how do you bring that back to the studio for work you do in a studio so that you remember what that feeling was like? Well, uh, today there is really a plethora of um, uh, places where you can get this inspiration. You can go to the race, you can go to museums, you can take pictures, you can take your own pictures. Uh, Of course, uh, sitting trackside, you're not going to get the best images. So I rely a lot on social media and taking ideas from various sources there, uh, which I take and then make my own, of course. Yeah, beautiful. When you think about what you do, what challenges have you faced in being an artist 
and how have you overcome them? And, but more importantly, what did those challenges teach you? Yes. Uh, starts back when my father, uh, absolutely forbade me to study art. Mm. He said, you need to study something that's going to earn you money. And I argued and argued with him. And finally I wound up, uh, choosing interior design yet, the program in the college uh, didn't have uh, an interior design program, so I created my own, and I put in a lot of art classes. <laughs> ah, there you and go. And later on, in a trip to Egypt, he he asked me. He said, "So, what did you actually major in?" I said, "Art." Yeah. <laughs> he just shook Oops. his head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But um, that's uh, one of the challenges is the stigma of, oh, you can't make any money. Oh, it's so difficult. Oh, you know, you're just going to play around all day throwing paint on canvas. Mm-hmm. You need to do a proper job. Well, you know what? The art business is a very tough business. Yep. And there's a lot of business that goes in with it. And I learned that business aspect of it through my interior design and the business that I brought over uh, from Germany to La Jolla, uh, designing very high-end German kitchens. Ah. And um, so I took the aspects of that business and uh, <clears throat> translated it into the art business. And it is, it's even harder <laughs> than selling yeah. a kitchen. Kitchen you need, art nobody needs. So what yeah. are you going to do? You have to create some kind of aspect that will help your business. But it's always a challenge, um, you know, selling art. Well, this is a leads me to a good question for those listening out there that love art, are good at art, want to have a life in art. What what are a couple tips you would offer for today's because at least today there's the internet where you can show things versus in the olden days. I'm not going to age you and me, but you know, we're we're a little more patinated maybe. <laughs> since we come from the same generation, is that, you know, your art, you had to go to exhibits or put get your art in a museum, which was hard to do, so people could even see it, which I've always said, you you need to see the art live. It's very hard to buy art off of a picture on your camera or on your phone or the internet because you don't get a sense of it without standing in front of it. However, it's a wonderful tool. So what kind of pieces of advice would you offer young artists to help them expose themselves to the world of potential buyers. All right. Well, there are many schools of thought out there these days, and it's always in flux. And a good way, I mean, it is free advertising. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Uh, social media is a wonderful tool to get your yourself uh, out there, your art exposed to many more people than you would if you would just be in a gallery. But galleries are also very um, uh, instrumental in getting it out there because they get their clients in that you would never ever see or hear of or know about. So is there a magic uh, thing to all of this? Uh, I think the thing is you have to find what works for you and go with it, and keep developing it, and never stop, uh, and keep experimenting too with with uh, new methods of putting yourself out there. Oh, absolutely! I think the world today is quite interesting because I've found many artists in the automotive sector that I would have never known about if it weren't for social media, particularly Instagram. And one of our mutual friends, Lynn Heiner, and a fellow artist. I mean, she's been very successful of going to automotive shows in particular 
and having your presence there, uh, not an easy way to do it for sure. Traveling is expensive and everything, but I think she's a good example. And since you know her, you probably would, would agree is that being at events around car people and showing what you can do, uh, is, is a good way to do it. So, uh, yeah, yes. lots of different ways to do it. Do you have a special vehicle story you could share with us? I have several, but, um, I guess I could, I don't know. I could touch on a few of them. Uh, uh, one of them, since I lived in Germany, uh, <clears throat> I don't know of any of, of many people that get to drive on the Autobahn and really uh, experience yeah. speed <laughs> in driving without having to go to a racetrack. So that for me was just <laughs> an amazing experience. Of course, yeah. you have to work up to that speed too. I mean, it, it's just incredible. Uh, I had a, a Golf GTI. Mm, nice. And I, I, man, that thing took me everywhere in Europe. And uh, I cried when I had to sell it because then we moved back to the United States. So, but another experience I had was driving a Ferrari around the hills of Tuscany. Now that was, that was very cool. Ooh, what kind of Ferrari was it? A California. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, there you go. Brought a little California to Italy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Nice. Love that. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, what could be better? That sounds like like fun. You know, back to the Golf, uh, my wife and I, the first new car we bought was a Jetta GLI, which was the GTI version for the four-door uh, from the Golf because we were we had little kids and needed, you know, four doors on the car. But uh, those Golfs, and go back to all of those, uh, that the ger- variations just still exist today, are just spectacular cars. I think of like the, I think it's the Golf R, that came out not so recently, but was a very high performance type car. But what a fun car for Germany. Wow. Oh, it was great. It was great for, uh, you know, in the city where you needed to be compact to get uh, parking space or, and it was solid enough to get out on the Autobahn and really, you know, get your, get your gears in motion. Yeah. I'll tell you something funny. I was driving 1996, picked up a new Porsche at the Porsche factory. We were driving on the Autobahn. And as you know, what's unique about German highways and a lot of Europe is they have these rest stations you pull off and they have like major stores and restaurants, like in the middle of nowhere, just at this, mm-hmm. get, yeah, kind of odd gas station and so forth. And we were in a brand new Porsche 911, you know, moving pretty fast. And this car came up behind us and we move over as you do in Germany. And mm-hmm. this golf went by. And it just <laughs> flew away. We could yeah. barely keep up. And we we're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Well, he took yeah. off. He, he exited. We exited. We pulled up and got out. You know what this car had? It had a 928 engine in it. <laughs> a, por- a portion. The car had been cut in half and widened and had a portion 928 engine in that thing. It was insane. Yeah, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was looking, the guy just laughed at us. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you and Porsche in the back, slow, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. So I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here. I play car psychologist with all my guests, Anita. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be, but more importantly, why? <laughs> okay, uh, let me describe myself a little bit. Uh, designer, quick compact feminine sigma energy individualist handles well and is reliable and part german 
Ooh. Porsche 911 or Targa or Carrera? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're my kind of gal. I love Porsches. Uh, 911s are my car of choice. So there you go. I knew we we had something in common here that I liked about you. So <laughs> very cool. That fits all the criteria, doesn't it, for a Porsche 911? So yeah, uh, I love those cars. I've had many, many over the years as daily drivers. Um, in fact, when I lived in California, I lived in Del Mar and drove down to San Diego every day. I had an 84 Cabriolet, and I once went 300 days without ever putting the top up, which you could do in San Diego once in a while. Yep. So, yeah, yep. there you go. How about great reading? Now, you mentioned a book in our earlier part of our discussion, but is there a great book that you might share with our listeners? You know, with what I do, I I really try to use my time for my art. And I know reading a book takes time. So what I try to do is, you know, listen to podcasts while I paint. So I listen to many, many different things. And some are educational, some are fun, some are rabbit holes. <laughs> and um, but when I do read about uh uh, some artists I like. There's two books I like, and one is The Intentional Artist by Luke Lestemacher. And he died of cancer, and he's about he was about my age. And it just taught me, you know what, do things with intention, because life is so short. Yeah. The second book that I'm going to mention is Uncharted Visions by Harry Moody, whom I just met, and he was uh, a scholar together with Gerhard Richter. So he has a lot to say, and uh, his mantra is always seeking new perspectives, and that's what I'm trying to do with my work with the uh, motorsport arts. I love it. Two books that have not been recommended here, which is saying something, given how many guests have been on the show. I'll let you know, Anita, if you don't already, and and listeners that don't know, there's a place on the Carjow website called Guest Recommended Books. There's over 3,000 books listed there from my inspiring automotive enthusiasts with quick clicks to buy. So you can listen to my guests and then go, oh, what would they read? And uh, go grab a book and read it. But those two books have not been suggested here. So I love the fact that you brought some new visions to us. And also share, you know, since you're a painter, uh, do you ever get into audiobooks? Have you tried audiobooks? Do you like that method of learning from a book? I have not done that yet, but it's, uh, I guess, on my bucket list. <laughs> well, I'll give you a quick tip. My wife constantly has her earbuds in, I think, because she doesn't want to listen to me, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. And uh, <laughs> she's rolling her eyes right now, as she did earlier. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's discovered that you can get a library card in the city that you're in, and you can request audiobooks for free. If they don't have it, they will get it for you. And she has a book library going. She listens to two, three books a week. You can even sometimes pick the kind of voice that's reading the book, whether you she loves to listen to Scottish accents, British accents, and so forth. <laughs> but you can listen to all these books for free going to your local library. So uh, okay. make take advantage of your tax dollars being spent there. Great way to learn things. So we're going to go on the ultimate drive before I let you go, Anita. I'm going to buy any vehicle in the world. If you want that Porsche 911, don't worry. I'll buy it for you. But any car you'd like, you can take it anywhere, and you can take anybody with, including somebody from the past that's no longer around. So that makes the Ultimate Drive very unique. So what does the Ultimate Drive look like for you if it's on my dime? Well, I've always been a fan of, I don't know how you pronounce his name properly, but let's try, Valtteri Bottas. Oh, Bottas, okay. Yes. (laughs) 
And um, I would just be curious to uh, pick his brain a little bit on what that time was like when he was on the same team as Lewis Hamilton. That would be an interesting conversation. Wouldn't yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what, where would you guys like to go for a drive? You want to, you want to go back to Europe oh, somewhere? Probably either through Finland or, or Australia. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Those are two very different places. Yeah. Well, his lady is from Australia, so I would honor that. There you go. Very nice. And what kind of car am I going to provide for this? this Whatever wonderful... he has that goes fast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so he's going to be driving, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, buckle up. Hold on. Uh, although it's funny because I've I've heard some race car drivers talk that they don't drive fast uh, on highways uh, because they, they get all that out of them on the track. But others uh, who do <laughs> get in trouble quite often. So uh, uh, who knows? I wonder what he would be like. But uh, yeah, learning about his experiences with Lewis Hamilton would be quite interesting. These dynamics between in race teams of the two drivers are always can be very positive or very uh, challenging. One's a star, one's maybe not. There's like this constant ebb and flow. But uh, yeah, um, that would be cool. Interesting choice. I don't think anybody's chosen him either. So you're very unique. But I already knew that. So Thank you. There you go. Could you leave us with some parting words of inspiration or wisdom before we part ways today? I don't know if I have any wisdom, but uh, <laughs> I do know that I am living the life that I want to live um, after doing many other things in my life. Um, so I am actually doing my bucket list, and um, but I'd love to continue on and keep going uh, with uh, doing new things and uh you know, possibly with Formula One, with, you know, commissions for the teams or whatever. And, um, you know, uh, you get to a certain age and you think, well, you know, be grateful for what you have and you've done. And I'm, I am, but I know there's, there's a whole lot more out there for me and I won't stop until I've experienced what my dreams are. And, and they continue on no matter what age you are. Well, good for you. Well, you'll love, if you didn't catch him on my show last month, uh, Bob Gurr, who is one of the first Imagineers that Walt Disney hired. He's a very creative guy, worked in the automotive world as a designer and so forth, and designed most of those original rides at Disneyland. Follow him on Instagram. He's 92 and I could only hope to have that much energy tomorrow that he has every day. This guy is a <laughs> firehouse of excitement and energy just never stops going. But he's a great example of exactly what you said is, yeah, uh, don't stop. Keep going. And uh, you certainly are a great example of that, Anita, a, a great uh, guiding light for all of us. How can people learn more about you and follow you and see your artwork? Well, I have a website. It's called www.abstractmotorsportart. And I also sell, you know, my wares on there too. So uh, anybody that wants a commissioned artwork can contact me personally. And uh, I'll, I'll be at Barrett Jackson uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And my booth is uh, SP30 inside the big tent. And that's from January 20th to the 28th at Westworld, Scottsdale, Arizona. Absolutely. All the big car auctions coming up. I can't wait. Go visit my grandkids, and go see cars and have all sorts of fun. So life could not get any better. I also have my Instagram, which is uh, Anita Lewis Motorsport Art, and then Facebook, Anita Lewis Abstract Motorsport Art. And please follow and like. Thank you. 
Absolutely. I'll put links to all these on Anita's show notes page here on the Cars yeah website. I encourage you to check out her art. You're going to love it, especially if you love motorsports. And speaking of motorsports, I want to do a shout out. Thank you to racer Gabe Tesh and his father, Jake, for introducing me to Anita. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. And if you missed my talk with Gabe, go back and find him on the Cars yeah website. He's tearing up the track, uh, doing wonderful things. So you mentioned Gabe and Jake Tesh. I met them recently at the uh, Velocity Invitational. They're wonderful people, and they made something magical happen. They took one of my paintings there that I had on display in my booth, and it was of uh, the McLaren, and they brought it into the signing area where um, Lando Norris and Zach Brown were, and they both signed the painting, which was super exciting. <laughs> and now uh, Jake and Gabe Tesh and I will take that, and we are going to auction it off at one of his charity events as he is a cancer survivor. Yes. Well, how great is that? Wow. That's absolutely spectacular. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, wonderful things you're doing. And again, listeners, if you didn't listen to my talk with Gabe, amazing story of this young man, what he lived through and what he's doing more importantly today with his life as he uh, looks down the road, down the racetrack to work on being a better racer. Uh, so that's a very cool story. And thank you for doing that as well. So how much better can that be? Well, until you and I talk again, Anita, happy new year to you. I will see you down the road and probably in Arizona. Thank you. You're it was welcome. a pleasure. You bet. This was fun. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!